On this episode, you will learn from trademark attorney Michelle Murphy what intellectual property actually means for your business and what steps to take to protect yourself from a potential lawsuit. We dive into some mistakes to avoid with your contracts, and Michelle walks us through the trademarking process and how to do some of your own preliminary work to potentially lower your legal costs. Towards the end, you will learn why all this is so important and the risks involved with infringing on another company's intellectual property. Lastly, Michelle is going to give you one action step you can do today to protect your wealth. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer. The topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. How's it going, everyone? Like to welcome Michelle Murphy. She is the owner of Wilson Murphy Law and the CEO Legal Loft located in Florida. Michelle works with small businesses and creatives to secure and protect their business through trademarks, contracts, copyrights, and business formations. She's worked with over 100 businesses to legally protect them and secure their legacy for generations to come. Michelle's mission is to help small businesses overcome their fear of legal operations and help business owners put preventative measures in place so they can continue making an impact on their community. Michelle, welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle podcast. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you could come. You're, you're our third episode, <laughs> so we'll, I'll try to keep it as organized as possible. <laughs> I'm actually very excited for this interview because on social media, everyone's always promoting like sales and revenue. That's obviously very sexy. But the main goal of this podcast is to help online health and fitness coaches convert those sales into building wealth and the much less sexy side, the protecting wealth. And that's your area of expertise. Yep, that is correct. (laughs) So before we start diving into specific steps and and ways that fitness coaches can help protect their business, let's take a step back and help people understand the very basics, like what are trademarks, what are copyrights and intellectual property in general? So a trademark is essentially a source indicator. And that just means that when you walk into a store, you're looking for a certain brand and you can tell what brand you're looking for by their name or their logos, the colors of their packaging. Um, So that's essentially what a trademark is. And then as far as copyrights, that's just protecting your actual, in this case, most fitness and fitness coaches and health coaches is their content, all of the things that they've created within their business. So whether it be blog posts, you can protect your social media posts. You can protect cookbooks, not the actual recipes, but the cookbook photos inside of the cookbook. All that type of stuff would be the copy, the copyright portion of uh, the intellectual property ring. And then we also have patents, which are more so like inventions. So that's kind of those three tiers in the intellectual property realm or umbrella. Okay, so. The different, the main difference between a trademark and a copyright is the copy is the copywriting is something that you've written and trademark might be more of an image, more of an image, more branding. 
Okay. Okay. So let's also talk about, you said trademarks and contracts are the two main areas that you focus. So if you are a fitness coach and whether you're just launching today or you're already in multi six figures, where should they begin when they start thinking about contracts and trademark protections? So contracts from the very beginning, especially with, I feel like the health and the coach world, I mean, health and the fitness world, it's a, it's a little bit riskier because you have people's health in your hands. And so with contracts, I mean, you need contracts, especially if you're going to be with them like on a monthly basis, you know, working with these people on a monthly basis, just making sure that everything is in place. And also just being sure that they follow your procedures and your policies, all that can be in a contract. And if they're not following your policies and your procedures, then you can let them go and cite that, you know, Hey, this is what you agreed to when you signed up to work with me and you're not following your end of the bargain, which is pretty much what contracts are. You're not following your end, so we're gonna. I'm gonna have to let you go. And okay. that's the legal way to do it without, you know, all the breaching of contract and lawsuits and all that stuff. It's already written in the contract, so it's not as like there's no confusion about why this person is letting you go. Or in the opposite too, like you know, the client may. I mean, depending on your contract, the client may be able to let you go. So in terms of dollars and cents, like, cause you brought up something that's interesting, like enforcing these contracts, is this potentially a way to save money because you're putting all the, the terms and conditions up front. So you hope to never need to bring it into. Exactly. Contracts are preventative measures essentially. And then also like, I mean, speaking of dollars and cents, mm-hmm. It's very clear that you have to pay a certain amount of money, you know, for your services to be rendered. And that's all in the contract. If you have payment plans, you can put that in the contract. What happens if they miss a payment? All this stuff goes into the contract and so that you don't have to now pay a lawyer to kind of fix the situation or you go to small claims court. We want to we want to avoid all of that if we can. If you go to small claims court, I'm assuming the the strength of the contract will help or hinder your case. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I don't when know if you watch Judge Judy. <laughs> I haven't in a very long time. Is that is that what she is? She's small claims court? She's a small claims court and she's all like the first question she asks is, What does the contract say? Interesting. That's that's actually really good. I never knew I, <laughs> I don't know what I thought she was, but I never really thought about it. So when it comes to contracts, what is some common mistakes you see online coaches making? I will say not being clear about whether they have a refund policy or not. That's a big one. Any type of intellectual property ownership, that's a huge one. How someone can use your intellectual property because, you know, now we are in this space where everyone has courses and digital products. And so with that comes the need to protect that stuff, too. And you can protect it through your contracts. It doesn't just have to be formally through, you know, the trademark process or the copyright process. Okay. So perfect transition. Let's dive into some trademarks. So same thing. If someone's just starting their business, 
maybe this is, this is a misconception that I've had for a while, but you can help people that may have the same one. Like, when is it too early with a trademark? Like, when it's like, quote unquote, not worth their time or money? I would say it's too early if you don't have a name that you're like going to keep for the next like 10 years at least. It's too early if, if, I mean, I think that's the main thing. If you're not going to keep the name, then don't, don't bother going through this long process, long and expensive process. Just, you know, get a, get, get a name that you're, or a logo, cause logos, every time you change your logo, you have to reapply. So even if you change a color, sometimes, I mean, depending on how you fill out your application, but even if you change a color or add something very small to the logo, it's, you'll have to reapply for this trademark all over again. So you just want to make sure that whatever brand assets that you have, that you're going to keep these for a very, very long time. But if you're sure that like, this is, I'm not changing the name. This is what I'm going, like, this is what I'm using. There, you're never, you can never be too early. I, as soon as you know that you want this name and you don't want to ever have to rebrand, you should be filing that trademark application as soon as you can. Okay. So let's, let's go down that path. So if you're multi six figures, you're happy with the systems and the trademarks you are, the branding and logos, and you want to start this process, what should some, should someone start thinking, start doing, and what should their expectations be as they work with someone like you? I assume there's some probably a lot of waiting and things like that. So, so <laughs> first thing you'll want to do is just make, do a very quick Google search. Just see what's out there and do the same thing on like all the social media platforms. See what's out there because that can determine a lot of things as far as like if you want to move forward with this or not. And then you can also use the um, trademark search engine platform. So that's, it's free. You just type in your name, even though it's not the most intuitive, you can type in the name and whatever comes up, you know, you'll look into that and see what's going on with their trademarks and if it's registered or not. And then as far as like expectations, expect to wait a very long time. It takes about a year for the whole process to be done. And that's if there are no issues. If there are issues, I mean, this process can take years. So So I have two questions. What was, you said there was a a database that people could use. What was the name of that database? So it's T-E-S-S, the number two, dot USPTO dot gov. Or you can just put in trademark search engine like in Google and it should take you to where you need to go. Okay, perfect. So then someone now, they've hired you, they've put in the paperwork, it could be a year. What what are the expectations in that time frame? So are you, and some of the things that I feel like I know is like from watching Shark Tank, like once you file, are you preliminarily protected or how does that work? So... I know in my firm, some, some attorneys don't do comprehensive searches. Some do, but in my firm, we do a comprehensive search and we give you an opinion letter. And that whole process takes about two two to three weeks. Once we do that, you make that decision whether or not you want to move forward, depending kind of on the results. And then we'll file the trademark application for you. And then from there, you wait about four to six months for the actual application to be picked up from a trademark examiner. 
technically you're preliminary pre- preliminarily protected, yes. But if you are the one infringing on someone's trademark, then obviously you're not. So if someone else protected. is in the preliminary process, it won't show up on that database. So you'll be filing behind them. You file behind. So it will, it should show up on the database. If you do, if you know how to do a, a search correctly on the actual free one, the comprehensive search reports, they show everything. Like it is a 200 page report of just trademarks and social media names and website domains of just everything out there that could even remotely be close to your trademark. So you, you kind of know what to expect. And that's the good thing about hiring an attorney. We tell you like, you know, this is what you're going to be expecting in the process. Don't be surprised if you get a cease and desist letter or an office action because, Hey, there's already somebody out here that was pinged as having the same trademark as you. Okay. So then on the, on the high end, or I guess on the optimistic end, it takes a year if there's complications I guess much years, that's probably two. I have a client. I just got her registration today and we started her process and she was one of my like first clients. So I think we started in March, 2019. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to that person. <laughs> um, that's, so that's great. So along that process, at any point, the, I guess, the way it works, the government could say no for whatever reason. Is that what yes. starts the complications or? Exactly. Okay. That's what starts the complications. They, they, they say your trademark is way too close to this other trademark that's already been registered or filed. So you have to overcome arguments or reach out to the other side and threaten them because that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to cancel their trademark. If you don't allow their trademark, you know, my client's trademark through. There's just so many different strategies and tactics that you can use to get your trademark through. But essentially it is up to these third parties. If you don't, if you're, if you didn't file fast enough, you're kind of at the mercy of other people. Interesting. Now what's unique as if I understand it correctly about your type of law practice is that it's not state by state, right? Yours is federal. So I don't know if you want to elaborate on that or how people can, how it's different than other types of law practice. So normally, you know, if you're a criminal attorney, you usually can only practice criminal law in your state because the USPTO, which is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, they are governed by federal law, which means that the law is is applied nationwide. Trademark attorneys and other, you know, immigration too. They can fi- they can practice in whatever state and they can take clients in whatever state. They're not just, um, it's not just the state that you're barred in. And also with trademarks, the USPTO just changed, I want to say last year-ish, around last year. National, international trademark owners have to have a U.S. attorney to you know, be on the, be the attorney of record on their application or they cannot register. Interesting. So if that's, if they're overseas, but but their clients are in America, so they're collecting us revenue. Yeah. What about on the other side? Like if we have us fitness coaches that have clients in Canada and overseas, 
do they have to file international trademarks as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they want to be protected in, say, the UK, they would have to get a UK attorney and to file for them. But there is something called the Madrid Protocol, and that is basically an agreement that a bunch of different countries came to an agreement, and they said that you can use your country-based application and file in other, you know, in the other countries that are also in that the Madrid Protocol. Okay, that's that's pretty helpful. Now, when it comes to contracts, is that also federal, or that's more state by state? That's more state by state. I know right now because of the internet <laughs> and the law hasn't really caught up. There are some. I know me and my colleagues sometimes will take people who maybe have like. They need like website terms and conditions or privacy policies, that type of stuff. We'll take those type of clients. But if it's like state-based law, then I usually refer those out to my colleagues. Oh, okay. So when we, when we talk about trademarks, i not intending to scare people, but give them an understanding of why this is a potential large risk in their business. Have you seen or heard instances like maybe I'm confusing patents for with trademarks, but there can be cases where you owe a lot of money back if you're accidentally infringing, right? Yes. So um, if a company sues you, they can ask for any profits that you have made from their so, trademark. So what would be an example of that of like a, an online coach accidentally is infringing and what could happen? Like could it so, be with their courses or with their branding or whatever the case may be? It would be with na the name. So normally it'd probably be the name. So if say their name is, I don't know, Gold Fitness Coach or something like that. Gold's Gym probably <laughs> won't be happy with that. And and they can come after and start a lawsuit. I mean, it, it is up to gold gym to prove that gold fitness was infringing on their lawsuit. But if they have the registration, you know, it's, it's much easier to do that, but yeah, they can go after you know, attorney's fees, profits from the other attorney. I mean, from the other, from the defendant, there's a few other damages that you can get, you know, when you're infringing on someone's trademark, but these cases, I mean, they can cost you like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it's not a little bit of money that you're going to be working over. So especially because you still have to pay your attorney. Yeah. I feel like that's the scary part is most likely the person that would come after you has very deep pockets. So exactly. <laughs> unlimited legal resources. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. And I, and I'm, you know, a lot of times I am very surprised because some of the bigger companies it's probably that they want to keep their brand reputation, you know, up on the up and up. But a lot of times like Disney will just ask you to stop. They're not even going to try to sue you for like profits and stuff. They just like shut down your store, especially Etsy. That's a big one. So many infringers on Etsy, but a lot, many times they're just like, we just don't want you using the trademarks. That's so phase all. one is, is like a very friendly letter. Yes. <laughs> Got it. What would be phase two if you ignore it? Or do they not follow? Um, 
if you ignore it, then it's usually they're going to start the lawsuit. And once they start the lawsuit, so if you're if you're thinking of, as a business owner, you know, I'll just take my chances, which obviously is probably a bad idea. But hypothetically, they're saying, I'll just take my chances. So they got their their friendly letter. They threw it in the trash. The legal process started and now they're ignoring it. What what would phase three be that could potentially be a problem? I mean, if they're just ignoring it completely and the lawsuit has already started, the, the next thing is that the company that's suing is going to get a judgment and, you know, they can probably put a lien on whatever assets that that company owns. I mean, depending on how they're structured, if it's an LLC, you know, they can go after the business assets. If it's a sole proprietorship, they can go after your assets, your personal assets. So. so once the so once that legal judgment starts on the other side, you're you're obligated to respond in I guess in a legal yeah. matter. Okay, that's good. Right. To know. So if if they're if they if somebody sends you like if you get some what is it a summons? I don't do litigation, and I have not been in law school for a very long time. Right. So if you if you get a summons. And you just ignore it and you throw it in the trash. I mean, it doesn't, the process doesn't stop because you didn't answer. <laughs> it's, it's continuing on until the other side gets their judgment and then they can start collecting however they can collect. Okay. So then now your fitness coach thinking, okay, this is, this is really important. I need to take care of this. What would be the, the next step, like especially if someone's just starting and they can't afford someone like yourself versus someone that, that can, what would be the next step? Like how to start the process either first for free as far and as, then, you know, hiring a professional So as far with a as trademark contracts go. Oh, okay. So with trademarks, the, I mean, it's not, essentially, it's never going to be free with the trademark because you still have to pay filing fees regardless. So you, so you do have to pay, depending on which type of application you use, it is a $275, $275 plus application fee that you'll have to pay. And that's per class. And a class just basically means that it's a category of goods. So with most fitness, fitness coaches, I'm sure they're in like the educational space. And then they'll also be in maybe like clothing or fitness apparel, that type of stuff. And then maybe they also sell fitness like accessories. So these are all like all those different things are different classes. And you have to pay 275 for each one of those classes that you apply for. But yeah, as far as getting things rolling, I mean, I, I mean, I've seen people just apply. They just kind of see what happens. And they do it on their own. I have a course that where I teach people what to do step by step, exactly what I do. And that's like the lower tier, you know, option. But at least it's, you know, it's helping you. Obviously, it's not the custom help, but you'll at least have the knowledge of to know like what to do instead of just putting yourself out there and potentially infringing on someone else's trademark. And then, and then if you wanted to work with an attorney, me, you know, you schedule a consultation. We talk about what you need and, uh, you know, we go from there. We, you'll sign a fee agreement and you'll pay the invoice and then we get things rolling. 
What are your? Oh, and then I mean, there is legal Zoom. I don't recommend them, but that was actually good. My next question: What your thoughts are on legal Zoom? Because people ask about it all the time, like to us as non-lawyers, and my as a fiduciary, I always refer to actual attorneys, actual accountants, actual insurance professionals because I'm like. I'm on the hook for that advice. So if I say LegalZoom, but um, mm. as an attorney, what are your thoughts on LegalZoom? I think it can be good for some aspects. Like if you're a single member LLC or something like that, I think I don't think it's a huge problem. But when it comes to more like where you have to actually get legal work done and you need legal advice, they're not the place to go. I mean, I just heard just horror stories from, you know, some people, maybe they received an office action. They never heard from legal zoom about this office action. So now their application went dead and they have to start the process all over again. And the other thing is they don't there. I mean, it's on their website. They're not a law firm. So they're not going to give you legal advice. They, they essentially just fill out the application. Like you could do on your own for free. And I mean, again, I do not recommend it for trademark type stuff or state planning. <laughs> don't recommend it for that either. Um, but if you have like, if you're like a single member LLC, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I mean, I've once you start getting into those other types of like legal work, then you might want to talk to an attorney. I mean, I've even seen. LegalZoom charges more than some business attorneys for simple formations and things like that. And the difference is yeah. you're not getting the legal advice with it. Like, you it, know, I, I don't personally like LegalZoom for that reason. So is there any questions that I maybe didn't ask since I don't know as I'm not a lawyer? Is there any questions I didn't ask when in terms of trademarks, contracts that fitness coaches really need to make sure they either educate themselves on or hire someone to walk them through the process of? I will say make sure you have the right disclaimers on your website, especially just stating that, you know, you're not a doctor. Nothing on your site is medical advice. You know, everything is educational. You want to make sure that that is and make sure that people it's not just like buried in your terms and conditions. But if you can have it on like a separate page, that would be ideal. But yeah, for fitness, that's the, probably the biggest thing. And also if, if you can, I know some states LLCs are really expensive, but if you can get under an LLC instead of just being a sole proprietor, I, I recommend that too. Just because again, you're working with people's bodies and that's, it's just risky. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm glad you brought that up because, um, from a tax perspective, there's no difference. People think that there is like between single member LLC and, but there's no tax difference, but yeah, there's different liability protections and that will vary in each state. So even more reason, like not to use like a legal zoom for formation, because they're not going to tell you what you need in your particular state to stay compliant. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then just the general, you know, don't commingle your accounts. Make sure everything is separate. <laughs> All that type of stuff. Is there any rule of thumb that you tell people that are trying to DIY this or any cautionary tale when to give up the DIY? But you know, you know, when in the beginning, everyone's trying to save costs, but at some point you need a right. professional. Right. I would say if, if you're like just spinning in circles, trying to figure it out on your own, just 
give up (laughs) 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 and try try to talk to somebody, even if you can like, because I know uh, me and my colleagues, we all have strategy sessions where we can talk to you for an hour and you can ask us any type of questions that you want. So that is always an option. It's at a much lower rate than, you know, just hiring us to, to do the contract for you. And then if, if you can, I mean, I get, again, a lot of us are creating more educational content and, you know, courses and e- ebooks or guides for people who maybe just can't afford an attorney right now, but you know, it's something that will, they will hire for in the future, but. It'll give you the information that you need or at least open your eyes up to kind of what's needed and maybe what you don't need. That's great. This has been extremely helpful. So I try to get one action step to help people. So to recap, I'll let you decide what the one action step would be for a fitness coach today to legally protect their wealth. We talked about a lot, so I'll let you pick the top one. I will always go with make sure that you do some type of trademark search before you go all in on your brand because you got to buy the domain names. You don't want to have to change all this stuff once you figure out that there's like the trademark is already taken. So do a trademark search. That's number one. And number two, make sure your disclaimers are on your website. Have a health disclaimer on your website. Excellent. Well, this has been extremely helpful, Michelle. If our listeners want to learn more about you or your company, what's the best way for them to find you? So I am on Instagram at the trademark attorney underscore. And then you can just go to my website, www.wilsonmurphylaw.com or www.theceolegalloft.com, which is a more educational resource center for business owners. And yeah, you can find me at those two places. Join my email list because I always email my my people. And these links will all be in the show notes. Is there a particular type of client that you do your best work with? I I mostly work with coaches, consultants, service providers. Perfect. And I think you'd mentioned that you have a launch right now. That yeah. I don't know if yeah. you can talk so about your launch. I have a membership that is comes with all the contract templates that you need. We have live Q and A's where you can come in, ask me any questions. I had one last week, only one person showed up. So we essentially had a consultation and I have, yeah, right. <laughs> and then we had, I had quarterly master classes, And so it's just a, 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 basically a hub of a bunch of legal resources and it's a one-time fee and you get all of the contract templates. It's continually being updated and it's not just it's it's not just contracts for like service providers, but we have things so like independent contractor templates and influencer templates for like you know an affiliate marketing template so that you can grow your business also because that's the goal. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today on Building Your Wealth Muscle Podcast. And all the links again to find Michelle will be in the show notes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes 
or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.